Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. With your hosts, David Hawn. Are they setting people up for this unrealistic expectation that 2023, they're suddenly going to use that $100 million in cap space and all this draft capital they have? Voila! Playoff contender. And Dan Weeder. And you think suddenly that there are going to be 40 new players that are all difference makers. I just don't know what fantasy land that is. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm David Hoff from the Mullane Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune is at Hallis Hall the day after the Bears. 41-10 embarrassing defeat at the hands of the Detroit Lions at Ford Field. Today the Bears kind of regroup and gather one more time, one more game. <sighs> one more Monday at Hallis Hall, Dan. Uh, let's... Uh, Take it from Matt Eberflus. Take it from there. He spoke to reporters. He tried to look ahead. And I think that everybody wants to know and found curious, at least I did, kind of opened the door a little bit to the possibility of Justin Fields not playing in the season finale. Yeah, I was surprised at that because he was pretty firm on Sunday evening in saying that Justin Fields would play in the finale. And today it was more we're going to get together with Ryan Poles, the general manager, and the coaching staff and discuss what's in the best interest of our football team that didn't feel like a foot in the door that felt like kicking the door wide open for the possibility of sitting Justin Fields for week 18. Eberflus was subsequently asked whether if Justin was healthy, he would play. And he said yes to that question. And so then it begs the question, okay, 
can you manufacture something that can put Justin on the injury report and then sit him out for week 18 because you don't either want to jeopardize the draft pick status that you've earned or his his own health. We'll see where it goes. Uh, listen, you knew what my three-word review was on, on Sunday evening. It was cancel week 18 because we're at that state for the Bears where nobody really is sure whether they want in, and that includes me. <laughs> well, I think that's fair, and it's an understandable debate whether he should or shouldn't, whether he does or doesn't. Ultimately, it is somewhat irrelevant. I, I don't think that you feel like pounding your – your fist uh, against the table, like he should play. And uh, there, there are compelling reasons uh, on, on both sides. The one thing that I, I would find interesting would be how much they take Justin Fields' input into account um, because, frankly, it's not, it would not be difficult, as we, as we know, to find a physical reason right. to, to sit him to protect his health. I'm curious to know if he, after sleeping on it, still feels like he wants to do this, if he wants to – pursue the record, the single season rushing record for a quarterback, how important that is to him. And from the Bears perspective, how important that should be to them, because it is an individual record in the context of a team uh, goal. And there's a lot at stake if he does get hurt. I understand the argument, um, but that is all that's really left to debate in this woeful Bears season. Yeah, sure. I mean, it would be cool if Justin Fields were the single season rushing leader for quarterbacks in NFL history. That would be a landmark achievement. It's also when the the list of big picture objectives that this organization has pretty low on the list. And so you can make a, a, a really compelling argument either way on what you want to do here. Uh, Look, somebody has to go take the football field, Soldier Field, Sunday afternoon. We don't know the time of that game yet, whether it's going to be noon or 325. Somebody's got to compete and somebody's going to have to go out there and, and try to earn a paycheck uh, on the final Sunday of the season. They, they expanded the season to 17 games. We can debate for hours on whether that was a good idea by the NFL or not. There's a lot of compelling football games elsewhere in the league that say, yeah, this is going to be fun in week 18 as it relates to the bears it's not going to be so much fun i don't know what the vikings are going to be interested in accomplishing sunday i don't know what the bears can accomplish here uh feels like a lot of lot of checking out is occurring right now uh it certainly occurred on the field at ford field on sunday and now you just got to figure out how to how to finish the season in whatever style you want to do that in and let's get on to finishing this podcast with uh, <laughs> our opening drive at Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Yes, we have to start it before we finish it. But, Dan, a couple things I wanted to get to before we get deeper into the QB1 breakdown and some other things. Um, The first would be let's get to the bottom or at least try to get a further explanation. We talked about this on the Mullen Haw Show, and I certainly think it merits further discussion. Dante Pettis was deemed a player that passed concussion protocol during the game and I guess theoretically could have gone back into the game. And I want you to clear up some of the details because you heard from Matt Eberflus today. He was apparently able to play but then went to the hospital and flew back on a different flight than the team because he was seeing – he had blurred vision. So how does a player yeah. a concussion protocol able to play, but hey, don't drive home. You can go to play football, but I wouldn't trust you behind the wheel. Well, well, well let's just be honest and, and, and be forward in one aspect in that he wasn't cleared to go back in the game. He cleared concussion protocol, so they determined that he wasn't concussed. But no one said, hey, you've got the green light to go back on the football field and play. Matt Eberflus said after the game that the blurred vision is what sent Dante to the hospital for further evaluation. He was able to get checked out there and given the green light to get on a plane separate from the the, the plane that the Bears took home from Detroit and fly home on Sunday night. And he's going to be uh, evaluated further. He's just not in the concussion protocol. Now, the question is certainly relevant on how do you suffer a head injury that causes blurred vision and then not be in the protocol for further evaluation. I do think that there is a victory here in that they didn't have him clear the concussion protocol and say, go back in, you know, they did send him for further testing. He did leave the stadium and go to a hospital. And so in some regards, you're happy that those safety nets are in place and still working properly. And that Dante Pettis didn't put himself at further risk. We'll see what happens throughout this week. And we'll maybe get a chance to talk to Dante as early as Wednesday to get sort of his, his sentiments on where he's at. There's no doubt that that is, is the good news. No question about it. And and that's why I, I want some clarity because I don't want to exaggerate because I do believe that there is a little bit of confusion there. I don't know if it's just me, but we heard from people this morning. There's a, there's a slight distinction that needs to be drawn here, or at least if we can clear it up, let's do this. Because clearing concussion protocol and being clear to return the game, what is the difference there, Dan? Well, somebody has to tell you to go back in and play. From a football you know, perspective. So one one is made by an in, independent evaluator, correct? Somebody who, who clears them from concussion protocol. Well, and you, have, and you have your team medical staff involved in that as okay. well. Um, and, and so then at that point, you just have to, to kind of make a decision. And, and the goal, obviously, league-wide is to err on the side of caution whenever possible. The Tua Tungavailoa situation yes. throughout the entirety of 2022 is something that hopefully will bring heightened caution to every situation like this. Again, this is concerning because in November in Atlanta, Jaquan Brisker was evaluated twice for a concussion, went back in and played both times, and then got back on Monday and was put in the concussion protocol because his symptoms got worse and he ended up missing a couple of games because of that, including with a bye week in there. So he's out for an extended period of time there with a concussion that he was playing with, right? That he suffered on two different occasions in that game. And so it's not airtight the 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 protocols and the procedures are not airtight and and it's this ongoing process that has improved immensely during my time in the league but still has a long way to go to be perfect in trying to make sure that that the 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 culture of the sport doesn't cloud over and and supersede the long-term uh 
interest and and i guess the the looking out for the players you know and making sure that someone is looking out for them even in situations where they're not looking out for themselves there's got to be a policy and infrastructure that protects the players from themselves i think that's almost as big a part of it as protecting the players from the teams who may want to play them it's almost like this has evolved to the point where players they do have that awareness there's going to be that instinct to just okay not not report uh, some symptoms or want to play through that kind of thing. But I guess we're getting better. It was just yesterday, Sunday at Ford Field. It was a little confusing to hear Matt Eberflus say what he said post game because it does seem very incompatible how somebody could be cleared from concussion protocol and yet have the symptoms post game that would require him to go to the hospital. That's yeah. And, and, and it was probably clumsy messaging, but it's forgivable from a head coach in that standpoint, you're coming off a 31 point loss. You've got 48 other things that you're worrying about in game. Sure. You're just trying to, in those moments, you know, less than probably 40 minutes after the game, try to get your arms around everything that you've got to talk to the media about. And, and he probably didn't uh, articulate that as eloquently as he would have liked. But um, you know, again, like it'll be interesting if we get the opportunity to talk to Dante this week, just to get, kind of his experience you know and, and hear him talk about it. he's been one of the better guys in the locker room at being pretty candid and and pretty welcoming uh to questions and so maybe we will have a chance later in the week to, to clear this up a little bit as an extension of that conversation and topic i have to ask this because justin fields did look like he took he so, some abuse some punishment some hard hits and one of them looked like he got hit on the head pretty hard when matt eberflus opened the door by saying he needed to be fully healthy was there any concern about the fact that he might have you know, suffered some sort of head injury or he might be entering protocol has there been any discussion about that no that wasn't expressed that was not asked that was not uh insinuated none of that in regards to that you saw early in the game when justin fields broke up broke off that long 60 yard run he got up and he was kind of hobbling a little bit after that and he didn't run the same way the rest of the afternoon um we've seen him in multiple games this year need to get up on a table and, and get worked on with massage guns and, and people helping him get stretched out uh tough guy for sure he's he's you know (laughs) endured a lot physically this year certainly a lot emotionally and mentally as well um you know we'll see we'll see where this goes in week 18 it is a a footnote that he did not play in week 18 last year in minnesota that was a covid related back in those days um and so this is just another uh another wrinkle in the in the road here gotta ask this and i know uh we talked about this a little bit on on the radio on monday morning you sometimes wonder what Justin Fields is thinking because he he does keep things pretty close to the vest. And when he's open up, he's transparent. And that's always refreshing and nice to see. But you seldom kind of wonder or have to be guessing what he's feeling because you do see him getting stretched out. You do see him, you know, uh, making, you know, when he's going through pain, he's grimacing. He's open about how he's enduring this pain related to an injury or related to a hit in any way. Is that indicative of of anything, Dan? Because uh, he he could have had many things go wrong yesterday. He could be playing through a lot of pain that we're not aware of or look like yesterday when he's getting stretched out, like, oh, my gosh, he grabs his leg and think, 
what's what's wrong with him? Is this just because we have heightened awareness of everything that happens to Justin Fields? Or is he just somebody is going to when he has something wrong with him, you're going to know it? Yeah, no, I, I don't I wouldn't go there. I don't I don't sense that at this point. I think that obviously he's a unique player in the things that he's asked to do with that position. And so when you take on that kind of toll and that kind of strain, things add up a little bit quicker than they do on guys that, that aren't running around as much, that aren't taking as many hits, that aren't subjecting themselves to the punishment that Justin Fields takes. I think it was interesting on Monday to hear Matt Eberflus say that one of the things that they continue to harp on is uh, look I, we understand that you're you're pretty dangerous as a tuck and run scrambler and obviously the 60 yarder on sunday is another example of that but there are times in a game where you've just got to get that ball out of your hands and throw it to somebody that's paid to catch the football and run with it running back check down receiver tight end whatever it may be and take some of the toll off of that we talk all the time this is all cumulative all of this is cumulative and so you have to be aware of that in the long-term perspective that you have for your quarterback and your franchise uh they're they're working with him on on trying to become better in those regards at, at not relying so heavily on on that that tuck and run scrambling ability while at the same time not trying to take that gift away from him because it's what's injected so much hope and excitement and, and entertainment into this 2022 season in so many ways that's true just sometimes he looks like he's 23 going on 55. It's just like, oh man, you know, I can relate to that pain in your back or in your calf or whatever. But you know, you're the quarterback of the Bears. You shouldn't be grimacing when you bend over. But I think he's also subject well, to a lot more punishment. As someone who's 46 going on 82, like I, I, I get it. So maybe I just empathize a little more and I, and I can see it from from his eyes. All right. So what else uh, did you hear? Hallis Hall post uh, the day after the debacle in in Detroit. A lot of D's there, but yeah. um, Bayless Jones had some stuff to say. Did Matt Eberflus say anything else worth noting? Yeah, we got to talk to Bayless Jones and Jaquan Brisker on Monday afternoon. Obviously, Bayless Jones, uh, the big kick return at the end of the first half. He also had a 13-yard end around, which is a pretty nice run. It's something you'd like to see more of uh, getting him folded into the offense. He didn't play much at all offensively. I don't think he played a, a single snap in the second half on offense, and that's troublesome for all the reasons we've talked about for for months uh but the kick return was a big deal and it wasn't the first big explosive kick return that Bayless Jones has had here in the last month and a half and to see him kind of finding his footing as a kick returner is encouraging now David there were eight kickoffs that the Lions had yesterday because they kept scoring and I kept getting to hear that that dude with the deep voice who gets in the end zone every time they score a touchdown forward down the field you know you know the song that gets stuck in your head by the time you leave Ford Field and Bayless Jones was only given the green light to bring one of those out they have certain rules obviously the one at the end of the half you say we're not really concerned with field position here try to break a big play and he does and he takes it across midfields and gives you a chance to squeeze points out of it we had a chance to ask Velas about that sequence uh here's some of what he had to say on monday afternoon he had a full green light on that kickoff right before halftime can you just walk us through kind of just the entirety of that and how it opened up for you the way it did um, yeah, um, you know, uh, we got the green light, you know, by um, HT. So, you know, we're taking it out regardless. So I knew they was going to try to kick it out. I'm just glad they didn't kick it out the back of the end zone. Um, as you see, it was like a right return. But, you know, my um, teammates, they made some – incredible blocks um, to open up lanes for me. So that's definitely not possible without them. Everybody was on somebody. They were knocking people down. It was really like a, a yellow brick road. You know, I was just, you know, just, you know, skipping down the lanes. Um, really wanted that one, you know. Um, 
But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, special teams, you know, it's all about, you know, helping the offense and defense and put them in a great position. Is there a moment there where you thought it was going the whole way? Oh, oh yeah, most definitely. Um, felt like I could have pressed the kicker more, pressed the kicker more. I knew I was going to get around him. Um, but I know a guy came off the back end, but I didn't see him. You know, I was trying to keep my balance to stay in bounds. And when I looked up, he was sitting right there. So it's like I ran out of options right there. Couldn't really break down because I was by the sideline. He played five of 52 offensive snaps Sunday afternoon, David. And that's a, an example of a, a, a guy who's just not – earned enough trust to fold in and it's crazy because this has been a, a season in which the the window of opportunity for someone in the receiving core to come in and carve out a role has been wide open and he hasn't been able to do so again his only uh, offensive touch was on a, a jet sweep something where you just give him the ball and you don't have, him, have to have him go out and run a route or catch a ball <laughs> so th- that's where they see him right now in this offense yeah if he's going to be uh, a part of this this process, the winning formula, if he's going to be part of any team that's any good in Chicago, he's going to have to be a weapon in the return game. And I think that he's going to have to evolve as a weapon in the offense. I don't know how much to trust him. I think we're getting to the last game of the season that still remains a question mark. I don't understand how the Bears decide to play their wide receivers, though. Of all the things in this offense that baffle me, uh, the how they disperse snaps to wide receivers is is on the list. I don't know how high, but it's on the list. Whether it's Chase Claypool getting 19 snaps or Velas Jones and his mysterious usage in and out, I, I don't know how they determine that. And I don't know if it's because, and maybe I don't even know if it matters because there's nobody really that's standing out so far uh, since since Mooney went down. But but I do find it curious on a weekly basis that we get to the end of games and you look at the play sheet and you're like, Whoa, wow. Right. 15 snaps. I don't understand that. And I wish maybe this week, Luke Getzey could be pressed on that because I'd like to know more about how they come to those de- de- uh, conclusions. Byron Pringle played 32 uh, or I'm sorry, 39 of 52 snaps on Sunday. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown was 32 of 52. Claypool was 19 of 52. Pettis 14. And then as we mentioned, Bayless Jones five, um, Look, that's a receiving core that did nothing in that game and has done nothing all season. It's jarring. And this is one of the biggest needs this team has. The problem is it's one of five biggest needs they have because they also need an offensive line and a front seven. (laughs) So so good luck getting getting all the bodies you need to to turn this team into a competitive football team again. Um, I'm just, you know, we we got I don't want to get down the same road we've gone down a hundred times before, but I'm just gonna continue to beat the drum of this idea that um losing 14 games with with one of the worst rosters in football which is almost unanimously decided upon uh suddenly positions you to to, to do big great things they have way too many needs to fill uh to feel good about the direction of where things are right now i think that was the overwhelming message loud and clear that was delivered on Sunday, because regardless of how excited you might be about the quarterback <laughs> in Chicago, there's so many more holes that are uh, needed to be filled in this offseason to make you think that you're more than just one offseason away from respectability. I, 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 that's just, uh, boy, that's going to be an offseason topic of conversation. But, Dan, as we have been talking here, the NFL made it official. The Bears will play at noon on the lakefront to finish up this season. And the All right. sooner the better. So, <laughs> Bears-Vikings Sunday, uh, Soldier Field at noon. As 
most people expected. This is not a game that you want to put in prime time. If they could play it tomorrow at noon, I would think people would welcome it just to get it over with. How many games are on the noon slate? Do you have that in front of you? Or we got to wait. Have that that. Okay. All right. No, I do not have that in front of me because uh, uh, I'm just relieved that the Bears are going to be playing um, at noon, just as we all wanted. Hey, they're studs, so maybe he can. Hey, help. guys. Yeah, I jumped in. So if you want to know the full noon slate, it's going to be Buccaneers and Falcons, Texans and Colts, Pats and Bills, Jets and Dolphins, Bears and Vikings, Panthers and Saints, Browns and Steelers, Ravens and Bengals. And then the night game is going to be Lions and Packers. Winner of that game gets a playoff. You know what? That excites me to no end because that means I can get home, settle on my my couch, crack a cold one, and watch one of the games on on the Week 18 schedule that I'm most excited about. You talk about two teams that found themselves in late season uh, surges here. That's going to be a fun, entertaining divisional clash with a lot at stake potentially. Uh, really, 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 really looking forward to that one. This is not take the North for the Lions or take the. I guess it's a, it's a North podcast. Take the North podcast. So we can ask Lions questions, but okay. So the Lions Packers for all the marbles Sunday night. But what if the Seahawks win? Does that eliminate the Lions? Or yeah, it does. So there won't be that as much drama. Well, the Packers would still need it to get in. Okay, but the Lions would. Yeah, the Lions would not be. Uh, in a That's position to qualify to that Sunday night, because there is a possibility that the lions will have nothing to gain by winning. I think Jaguars Titans is the other game with, with uh, obviously Saturday. divisional championship. Yeah. That one's on Saturday evening. So, so that, that doesn't give you the, the opportunity and, and studs went through that whole noon slate. Um, it's going to be interesting. So I guess we're, we're, we're rooting for a Seahawks loss for, for maximum theater, right? Maximum theater is what we want. We like maximum. Theater, I agree. Like, yeah, definitely. All right, Dan. So before we get into our QB one segment, I want to segue there by, Asking you about a quote from Ryan Pohl's pregame yeah. on Sunday in WBBM. You tweeted it out this morning. I talked about it on the radio because it stood out to me. And I do think it's interesting, even though I don't know if saying it out loud without uh, necessarily. It, well, I'll just read it because of the context it says, quote, talking about Justin Fields here as a passer, quote, he's shown ability to make a ton of plays with his legs. No one questions his playmaking ability, but really growing as a passer is going to be the next step. That's the, that, that's the general manager talking about his quarterback, and that sounds like a very honest assessment of Justin Fields, the passer. Do you think that people should be surprised by that at all based on its uh, relative objectivity? I think people were surprised by it. Should they be? I don't think so, um, because I think this is a talent evaluator with some big decisions ahead of him trying to figure out what exactly he has in place with every single player he currently has on his roster, including the most important one, which is the guy who wears the number one jersey. I think right now more intriguing than a week 18 game at noon at Soldier Field against the Vikings is the next time that we get to talk to Ryan Poles, which conceivably will be in week 19 here up in Lake Forest to get his full assessment of the quarterback and what he saw from him. Again, the last time we really talked to him about Justin Fields was before the Monday night game in New England back in October. And and, and the story has changed multiple times since that, since that night. And it, it's just really, really 
compelling stuff to hear from the general manager so that we can have a better gauge on how he's going to approach this offseason and what he's looking for. Uh, and I think it's 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 staring you in the face that, that Justin Fields, as a passer, is unaccomplished. And now he has to make the, the strides to go forward to become something as a passer, to become the franchise quarterback that everyone believes he can become and is dreaming he will become. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you brought that quote to my attention in the postgame podcast on Sunday evening and then was able to listen to it and, and read it back. And I, I think it's notable. Do you think that it implies at all that Ryan Poles doesn't fully believe that Justin Fields is the quarterback to build around? I don't know. I really don't know, you know, and I think that's why we need to kind of have a, 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 a string of, of people in the media room when Ryan Pohl speaks next. I think there needs to be a calculated approach to trying to learn as much as we can to answer that question with more information, even, even, if, it's, even if it's reading body language sometimes, right? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. That, that those things are valuable that way because of that. And I also think that it's in the context of what we just saw. We're all football fans. We watched the bowl games. We saw Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud have – big moments on large stages you can't deny that and you can't ignore that so I don't think and I'm on the record as saying that I don't think either one of those guys would be a, a quarterback that I would be comfortable necessarily building around but we all know how the draft works and you know that both those guys playing well number one helps the team in the top five because it puts a premium on those draft picks but number two I guess I do wonder what Ryan Pohl sees when he evaluates a quarterback. Is he looking for somebody like Justin Fields, who is in a, uh, he's an unorthodox star. He, he would be uh, the, the Lamar Jackson mold of NFL quarterback, as opposed to somebody in the more traditional sense, the Patrick Mahomes type, if you will. Pat, there's nothing traditional about Patrick Mahomes necessarily, except for that he is a downfield passer who gets it done and is an MVP caliber See, talent. I think that Justin's a totally different player than Lamar Jackson. And I think those comparisons have been made for obvious reasons all year, but are probably not on parallel tracks because I think Justin has more arm talent. I think he has, uh, he's more polished with the way he throws the football. The problem with Justin sometimes is not really understanding what quarterback at the NFL level is about, which is quick, efficient decisions, you know, be decisive, get the ball out of your hands, live to see the next play. And when big play shots are there, Take your shots and, and capitalize them more than, more often than, than you don't. He's got a long way to go in that department, but I do think that that you, if you could squeeze the maximum amount of potential out of him as a passer, he's got a ceiling that's that's three floors above what Lamar Jackson would be as a passer. And now it's just that? it's just up to the Bears to see where they go with this. And Ryan Poles is is is, is about that. I mean, like if you are a general manager and you at some point in your tenure want to take your big swing at a quarterback. Um, you know, you have to, to figure out what it is you want and when it is that you want to take that swing. That's not an easy decision to make. Ryan Poles is going to have to at least shed some light on that. And, and given what you and I have experienced and what the city's experienced through the, the entirety of 2022 with Justin Fields, um, anything less than a full vote of confidence that he's our franchise quarterback and the guy we're going to build around is going to not only cause waves, but there's going to be a tsunami in, in, in Chicago if he makes that statement. I don't think he can make that statement. That's the word. That's where I'm coming from. I don't yeah. think that he can afford to waver at this point of his tenure. Nobody has a lifetime contra contract, and it doesn't matter if he's in his second season. If he doesn't fully commit to Justin Fields, I don't know what he's doing because maybe he feels backed into a corner 
but I just don't know how you come out of this season concluding that anything other than Justin Fields is the quarterback that you need to build around, even though he may not be your ideal prototype. He is the one you're going, you're not stuck with him. Nobody's stuck with somebody that good or talented, but I do think that this is a, if you want to call it an arranged marriage, make it work. Well, certainly, I mean, because you weren't forced into taking this job, right? I mean, you knew what was in place when you took the job and you certainly would like to see this through with a guy who has shown this much promise and this much potential and this much leadership, right? Like I think one of the things that's been truly the most impressive about Justin Fields season is the way he's handled everything that he's dealt with. The the dude is, is a, a, an absolute uh, DNA guy in terms of what you want in your locker room as a leader, what you want as a worker, what you want as a unifier, what you want as, you know, a guy that, that can be the engine of everything you're trying to build. Um, so again, like it, it, it's too early to get out on, on speculative uh, side roads here. Uh, you know, within 10 to 12 days, we should have the, the general manager himself sitting in front of us at a podium and we'll have more to unpack when he does, when he does talk. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, for the 17th time this season, let's go into our QB1 segment. Well, it seems like many more than that. (laughs) Um, All right, so Justin Fields on Sunday against the Lions. He's had better days. Let's just say that he was 7 for 21, 75 yards passing, sacked seven times, passed the rating, an abysmal 40.8 with one interception. Dan, did he have a defining moment in your mind? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without question, it's the sack fumble. Um, David, that, that, that's the, the play of the day. It's one of seven sacks on the day. I went back and watched each of the seven sacks at length. I would argue that that, that four of them you can't put on the offensive line at all uh, when you watch them, including the, the one that we're going to get into here. The Bears have a, a, a personnel grouping in with two tight ends and a running back, basically max protect with two receivers out in pattern, and they've got a deep shot dialed up for Dante Pettis, and, and, and Justin hits the top of his drop and doesn't throw it. You see him think about throwing it, kind of pumping, and doesn't throw it. Matt Eberflus says on Monday afternoon that he wishes that he would have pulled the trigger there, thought there was an opportunity there, and then he gets out of the pocket and he really wasn't running with the same speed he usually does. Worse than that, David, he was carrying the football loosely in his right hand, out extended in his right hand. And all of a sudden you had a, a pass rusher who got himself off a block in the backfield who was engaged with two tight ends, Cole Komet and Trevon Wesco. He comes from behind the play. Justin never sees him, swats the ball out of his hands. It's a fumble. It's a missed opportunity in a game you were still in at that point. The Lions get the football and uh, they go down and kick a, a field goal before the end of the first half. Uh, just all of it. The whole play was was 
representative of what's wrong with this passing attack. It's a quarterback that is not uh, being decisive enough to, to, to pull the trigger when there's a play there to, be, to, to have the trigger pulled on. Uh, it's a quarterback who gets out and, and doesn't show ball security. Uh, they, the Bears obviously didn't block it up well. They didn't recover the fumble. You, you, you name it, everything went wrong, and, and it was a, a defining moment in my eyes. Can't argue with that. Uh, I think that I'll go for a play that just defined how discombobulated everything was about Justin Fields' day and the Bears' offense, and that came on the last snap of the first half. So the Bears get the ball at the Lions' 45 after the 63-yard kickoff return. and you Yeah, think, after, oh. Dor- after Dorothy and the, the Lion and the Tin Man went skipping down the road, they had the ball in Lions' territory. Yeah, they're skipping down the road, still looking for a little heart. Um, <laughs> but I do say that they're at the 45-yard line, and you're thinking, okay, big arm guy is going to let the big arm fly. And you're going to throw down the field like any self-respecting offense would let their quarterback do, right? No. No, I don't know what the Bears were thinking. They went in slow-mo. They, they snapped the ball to Fields. He looks around. Nobody's doing anything. And they're hiding, almost hiding by the Lions' sidelines is Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. And, and Justin Fields never sees him. He's throwing it away like he figured he's going to throw it away because why would you take a shot down the field when you have that big arm? And, ju- and Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan guy, intercepts the Ohio State guy because the Ohio State guy never saw him hiding. How do, right. you never, how do you not see that? I, I, don't, I know he was hiding. How do you miss a guy who's 6'3", 280 or whatever he is? And he gets his third interception of the season. Only player in the NFL with five sacks and three interceptions. Aiden Hutchinson picks him off Justin Fields. And that was one of the weirdest plays on an awful day for the Bears. I don't know who his third interception is against, but I know he had one against Justin and he had one against Aaron Rodgers. So uh, we can uh, maybe see who that, that third one was against and see if he pulled off the trifecta in the NFC North, maybe. He's um, taking the North one pick at a time. There you go. That play was designed to get them in field goal range. With seven seconds left, they wanted to get a sideline route. They have no timeouts left, so obviously the Lions are going to be defending deep and they're going to be def- defending the sideline. And Matt Eberflus, listen, I, I asked you know four players in the locker room after the game and then Matt Eberflus to explain that on Sunday evening he he came back and tried to explain it again on Monday and I still don't have my brains wrapped around uh, how that play works if it's executed properly the Bears pride themselves on situational execution they practice it the two-minute drill is something that they 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 you know put extra periods in in December because they wanted to get better in those situations that 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 swing games and to have that kind of malfunction where it's it's you know some misalignment before the snap there were guys running half speed uh Justin didn't love what he saw and rather than just dirting it or doing something else with it through an interception right to a guy I don't know you're right I mean that was a, a play that was sort of a snap shot in a day full of them. My runner-up on defining moment was the play where they had two offensive tackles called for holding and they still got sacked. So, you know, that was the day in Detroit. (laughs) All right. The next category in our list of four is on the bright side. Was there one? Yeah, it's the 132 rushing yards. Uh, from Justin Fields, uh, the majority of those coming in the first quarter when he topped 100 yards. He obviously had that sweet run on the the gadget play where they got Cole Komet to motion in, get under center, and everybody in the building thinks it's going to be a Cole Komet sneak for a yard and a half. They pitch it to Justin. He gets a good block from Braxton Jones on the edge. He gets a good lead block from David Montgomery as a fullback, and he takes it for 31. And so that's a a moment there where you say, okay, you you've got opportunities now to to get creative, to do some 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 gadgety things because 
of, of things you've succeeded with earlier in the year. And now you've got this special gift as an athlete in the backfield that opens the doors for those things. Uh, that was Justin's fourth 100 yard game of his career, third one this season. And now, as you mentioned earlier, puts him on the, the doorstep of, of chasing down Lamar Jackson in week 18. If he plays right, he's he got a, an yep. opportunity to, to, to very easily, become the all-time uh, rushing uh, single-season rushing leader as a quarterback. I think he needs 64. Am I correct on that? And he's been averaging like, you know, 90 for the last 11 weeks. So we'll see he's where it goes. Striking distance easily. Yeah, that was my favorite play of the game. I think Luke Getze had a nice – they were sitting on that one for a couple of weeks. I love yeah. the commit sweep uh, pitch to Justin Fields, who was like a tailback, and it was student body left. And there he goes. All right, but I'll have to pick another one. I'll pick the other run, the 60-yarder. How many runs over 60 yards, 55 yards does he have this season? Another explosive play. He looked like he was grabbing his leg at the end of that run. I wonder what happened. I don't think on that play he topped out at 21 miles per hour. I don't think he could have outrun a Prius on that one. But he was right around 20. He was a little bit impaired, but he was still Justin Fields in the open field. And I think that is when he is at his best. And so on the bright side, that 60-yard run was was my uh, my play of the day for Justin Fields. Yeah, and it was Kirby Joseph and Harris that caught him down inside the, the five-yard line that kept that from becoming another end zone celebration. And, and so Justin didn't pull away like he has so many other times this season. And uh, that's uh, and then he got up, obviously, feeling, feeling a little bit sore or a little bit twisted with whatever went down on the tackle. And our guy, Adam Studzinski, who is Mr. Bears Google, uh, says that Aiden Hutchinson, his third interception was against Daniel Jones. All right. So Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Justin Fields are the three quarterbacks that he has picked off as a rookie. All right. The uh-oh moment. There's so many to choose from. <laughs> what was yours? You know, honestly, David, my, my, my uh-oh moment was the entire second half. This team was down 21 points or more on all six of their second half possessions. And somehow they left the second half with 50 total yards and three first downs. This was a situation that was set up for garbage time yards, you know, pad your stats type of moments. You get, you get the passing game flowing, you get a 15 yard completion here an 18 yard completion here. They, you know, 20 completion here, the, the lions are just protecting a, a lead and, and they're going to allow you to do some things down the field. The bears couldn't protect it. They couldn't run the routes, right? Quarterback couldn't hit them. It was just an embarrassment in the sixth sack on the day is representative to me of, of again, a quarterback holding onto the ball too long. Justin Fields had the ball in his hands for eight seconds on that play. And the guy who sacked him, who was all over him all afternoon, James Houston, was dropping in coverage when that play began and then saw, oh, wait, this dude's not going to get rid of the football. I'm just going to charge up and take him down in the backfield for what ended up being a nine-yard loss. And it was representative of everything that was going wrong. And again, in a game like that, where you are down big against the league's worst defense, to have that lack of offensive productivity and that lack of passing productivity, if that doesn't set off alarm bells for some people out there or, or at least raise uh, the concern level by one or two levels, then, then I, I don't know, you might be helpless. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, it's all very depressing from a Bears fan's perspective. I, I think the uh-oh moment for me is a play you described. It's going to be redundant on a day where nothing worked well, but when you lack the awareness uh, that Justin Fields lacked in not protecting the securing the football and you have the strip sack or the strip fumble from behind and you lose it. Jonathan Vilma in the Fox booth even pointed that out, that he has to have better awareness, and that underscored just how – bad of a play that was because you know Justin Fields isn't a rookie and he you know you would 
uh, a guy, he typically does have better awareness because he is so uh, it's such a, jo- a necessary part of the job because yeah. he's always got people coming down, bearing down him from all different angles. But that was, to me, the biggest uh-oh moment on a day full of them. No right. question. Big number. What's your big number? Well, mine is seven, uh, and it's what we talked about on, on Sunday afternoon. It's the number of sacks they gave up. It's the number of completions they had. It's the number of punts they had. You don't want those numbers matching up. You just don't You don't want <laughs> want that to be a 7-7-7 a seven, seven, seven across your slot machine. Uh, the Bears have to be better there. One other number to give you, just as we talk about Justin Fields as a passer, he's got 4,112 passing yards for his career. We're 25 starts in. Just dropping that out there if i put it on twitter it would cause a firestorm and i'm just dropping that out there 4112 passing yards with 25 starts his, i mean we his second season may be over right we don't know if he's going to play this sunday 4112 passing yards did i hear a new year's resolution in the making there avoiding twitter firestorms no okay <laughs> that's good because like boy i think that those are interesting sometimes dear, dear twitter uh, you, you you don't have anything to worry about yeah, okay good that's uh, I'm, I'm relieved um my big number would be Ten. It's the number of carries that Justin Fields had. Congratulations, 132 rushing yards. It puts him in a position to break the all-time record. But ten, as in the number of points scored. The Bears scored ten in the first quarter, and then they stopped playing. They gave up 34 unanswered points. They lose 41 to 10, and you are playing against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. A team that's giving up an average of four touchdowns a game practically, and you score. 10 points as an offense. You are broken as a roster. You are broken as an organization. You need to be fixed. That's another way of saying that you are broken. 10 is my big number. I'm also going to repeat what we mentioned on Sunday, that over the last six games, they've averaged 16 points a game. Right. I mean, this was supposed to be an offense that was setting the world on fire. 16 points a game for a six game stretch. It's not there to your other number 10 about Justin Fields runs. I broke these down on my rewatch. Four of those were tuck and run scrambles. Four of them were zone read keepers. One was a quarterback sweep down in the red zone. And then obviously the gadget play with the commit pitch. So that's the breakdown of, of what those 10 runs looked like. I like the gadget play. I like that. Loved it. Can Cole Komet play quarterback in the option? uh, And we can go wishbone with David Montgomery, Herbert, and Justin Fields. So listen, Larry Mayer and I were the last two people talking to Cole Komet on Sunday. And we said, obviously, you've you've evolved this play from a, a tight end sneak here on short yardage to a pitch to your quarterback the next wrinkle on this is obviously letting you take that snap drop him back and letting one fly we'll see cole's a you know an accomplished baseball pitcher uh he's obviously got an arm on him you we'll see if luke getsy can can wrinkle that in for for 2023 at some point all right let's get on to our final segment with a look ahead All right, Dan, most of the conversation before Sunday's noon kickoff at Soldier Field will revolve around should Justin Fields play or not. We talked about that a little bit. What other issues do you think um, we should talk about, address? And I guess all conversations tend to revolve around who's going to be playing on the offensive line. Another configuration this week with injuries to Tevin Jenkins and Michael Schofield. What do you, what can you tell us about the latest on the offensive line? Yeah, well, so so Michael Schofield's injury occurred on one of the sacks that the Bears gave up when Braxton Jones was bull rushed and actually fell backwards into Michael Schofield and took his knee out. That was not a, uh, a high moment for the Bears there on a day full of uh, full problems in the pocket there. Uh, we'll 
we'll see what they do. I mean, we know how they've been reshuffling this offensive line the entire season. Alex Leatherwood was a healthy scratch on Sunday in Detroit. That tells you how the coaches feel about him at this point. Um, the issue for me going into week 18 is where, where does the compete level come from? If you've spent your entire first season on the job as a coaching staff, preaching hard work and and laying a foundation of effort and saying this is going to be an effort-based football team and everything we do is going to be graded on on how much you hustle and how much intensity you show all those types of things you better come out and compete the bears can ill afford to go into the 2023 offseason in my opinion with three lopsided losses in a row on the way out the door it would erode some of the belief in what this culture is it would erode some of the faith in the direction of, of where this thing is headed and so i would love to see them uh, find somebody in that locker room, whoever's healthy enough to play, to be a leader and say, guys, let's go. Let's make sure we don't get our doors blown off at home in the season finale. Yeah, I think getting outscored 76 to 23 in the last two games, regardless of the opponents, does raise some questions about everything we felt good about with the coaching staff and Matt Eberflus. You thought that the Bears were a team whose compete level was very high, and that wasn't the case at Ford Field, and they got uh, you know, they got beaten pretty badly against the Bills with a game with the really no takeaways. They just wanted to survive that. I think they need to finish strong. So that's why there is some significance attached to uh, game 18 or, or game 17, yeah. 18. And so I, I don't know that you just kind of pack it in and, and, you know, you, you play like you're double parked and you want to get out of town <laughs> as fast as possible. There's something to be gained from a professional effort on Sunday at Soldier Field. Any surprises this week? Do you think any anybody that, you know, we might see that we don't expect to see? I don't know what's going on with Alex Leatherwood. I'm glad you mentioned him because he's been a constant. There's not a player on this roster, I think, that has, has received as much attention in the in electronic media and print media, in media in general, and played as little as Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, they obviously gave him a, a chance in a rotation for a couple games. Didn't love what they see, lo- love what they saw. Didn't like what they s- have seen in practice. Uh, I don't know what surprises could be up their sleeve. We've seen pretty much everyone in the world. We had Harrison Hand playing in the secondary on Sunday, and that's like that's where we've reached. You know, that's the state of the season we're in, where um, you just got guys that you've never heard of playing key roles and key moments on defense, on offense, and special teams. Um, cancel week 18 right I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm standing firm with that I, I know no one's going to uh, tell Roger Goodell and company to, to grant that wish I think the Vikings would be up for it too I don't think they have much to gain in playing this game Sunday as they go into the playoffs as the take the North champions uh, and uh, you know so we'll see what direction this, this whole game goes but I have a feeling this isn't going to be one of the best uh, uh, and most entertaining football games that we've ever been a part of in our time last question that I have regarding um, this week and, and what's going on Matt Eberflus said he and Ryan Poles will discuss who's going to play, who's not going to play. Justin Fields will come up. What is your sense that uh, of their rapport? Are they on the same page on most things? I know it's an impossible question probably to answer, but do you have any sense about if they are seeing things the same way? And if, if this uh, partnership this far into a historically bad season is still as intact as it was at the beginning? Yeah, I don't have any indication that they're not on the same page. So I'll, I'll stick with the assumption that um, they're still on the same uh, wavelength that, that they've been on every time that we've we've asked them about each other. You know, over the course of this year, I think they understand that there's a union here that uh, <laughs> needs to, to work out <laughs> for everyone's sake. Um, and so, uh, again, you know, we'll, we'll get 
a better idea of how the general manager viewed this football team a week from now. And I think it's important to not just overlook 14 losses as like a, huh, whatever. Yeah. just, that's how you tank. You know, that's how you, that's how you tear a, a, a roster down. You know, we talked about it on the radio. Anybody can just tear it down. You know, I gave you the Seinfeld re- uh, reference to the, the car rental place. Anybody can just take the reservations. It's actually keeping the reservations. That means something as far as it relates to the bears rebuild, you know, anyone can tear it down. The real challenge is now building it up to a level where it can sustain. Um, I'm going to be working on something for week 19 to just kind of, assess which teams in the NFL, David, are relevant by the standard that I've set, which is either make the playoffs three years in a row or be in the playoffs five out of 10 years. And, and looking back on the, the last decade, obviously we have to wait till this year's playoff field is set to break that down a little more, but it'll give us something to talk about next week because I think it will show you, okay, what are the organizations that are doing it properly and showing an ability to sustain success and which ones aren't? You know, the Bears finish in last place more often than they go to the playoffs. It's not a really good place to be. They haven't won a playoff game since January 16th, 2011. That's 12 years ago. That's three jobs ago for me. <laughs> that's, three, that's three jobs ago. I, I think that I don't even know what I look like in 2011. I can't remember 2011, but that's how long ago it was. I remember being there. I remember when it what when, when they uh, did that. But wow, you're right. I look forward to that because relevance is is a uh, something we throw around a lot. And the Bears have played in the NFL longer than anybody, and this is their worst season ever. If they lose on Sunday, that's more losses than they ever have had. And that's in the history of ever. That's right. really bad. I don't know how you recover from that where you just dismiss that and say, oh, you know what? We're, we're rebuilding. Right. And if you're the people in charge, like you can't do that. You know, you just can't do that. You just can't say, oh, you know, we laid foundation. So that's all that, all that matters. There's more to this. And, and hopefully I think they have the, the mental aptitude to understand that. <laughs> so, I, I think they do. And I'll, I'll close on this because uh, this is what we can maybe talk about a little bit next time and certainly moving forward. I do wonder if Ryan Poles during his interview process with Bill Polian, George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, et cetera, explained or articulated that this was going to be the plan that I was going am going to get rid of all your good players, all of our good players and start the rebuild because I'm going to tear it down to the studs first. I wonder if that was embraced, endorsed or announced because it has been maybe a little bit more severe than I expected. I don't know if I'm alone there, but it has been thorough in terms of the teardown and now the rebuild begins. There's a point where where the record doesn't go away, right? And 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 that's attached to your resume at some point. And people will eventually forget about the context of of many of these losses. And it's just about okay, what have you done for me lately? And so um we'll see. Uh, you know, it's gonna be a fascinating year. It's gonna be a fascinating calendar year to see what we're talking about a year from now at this time. I think um you know I think there's gonna be some surprises along the way and some twists that that we'll look back on and go never saw that coming you know and i can't obviously say what those are because then they wouldn't be surprises i'd like to have one more question any any kevin warren chatter at hallis hall uh, any questions addressed 
uh, about Kevin Warren and the potential team president, the Big Ten commissioner, who has stayed remarkably quiet. And I have not seen him quoted or even asked about him interviewing with the Bears. Yeah, and his two uh, Big Ten teams lost on, on Saturday. And so there's no national championship game for him to attend and, and be part of that uh, festivity in a week. There has been little chatter since last week. Um, we'll, we'll keep our, our fingers on the pulse of that and, and hopefully uh, get some sort of update. You know, typically when we have the season ending press conference here at Hallis Hall, uh, George McCaskey's available for a short period of time. Ted Phillips typically as well. I don't know what the case will be this year, given the unique circumstances with, with Ted on his way out and, and George still searching for a successor on whether those guys will speak to us on the same day that Ryan Pohl speaks to us next week, but certainly worth something uh, worth keeping an eye on and, and asking about until we get to that day. Speaking of the Big Ten, I applaud you for forging ahead and doing this podcast in spite of the fact that your Illini gave up nine points in the final four seconds and blew the whatever bowl they were playing in against Mississippi State. It was the ReliaQuest Bowl, and unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a single snap of it. I think I caught like a half of a snap uh, in the media room. We had the TV on right before Matt Eberflus came in on Monday afternoon. But it's really sad for someone who goes to Illinois and doesn't get to experience uh, postseason football, much less January football almost ever, uh, to not have been able to enjoy that. But it sounds like from from your description of the the finish that it wasn't uh, uh, really something that I'm going to regret missing. It sounds like the offense missed it, too. Too, so don't worry, you weren't <laughs> the only one. Well, but Chase Brown didn't play, so. That's right. Well, find your excuses wherever you can find them. All right, that is going to wrap it up. We're going to drop this Tuesday morning. We will be back on Friday morning to look ahead to the Vikings and Bears finale, mercifully, on the lakefront, noon on Sunday. So, Dan, we're going to say goodbye say, for Adam Studzinski, Dan Wiederer. I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Thank you for watching uh, on the YouTube channel, the 670 Score YouTube channel, and the Odyssey YouTube channel. Download, listen, and subscribe. Give us some feedback, and we will talk to you on Friday. It's college hoop season, Illini Northwestern, Wednesday in Evanston. See you later.